Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever you are on this lovely planet. I am so grateful you are here to listen to this episode today with Miss Cassie Mendoza-Jones, who I just wrapped up a recording with, and it is phenomenal. Cassie is the best-selling author of You Are Enough and It's All Good, and she is a kinesiologist, business alignment coach, naturopath, and speaker. She works with women and with entrepreneurs, healers, coaches, and creatives who are driven, devoted, and honoring their dreams, and who want to become more powerfully aligned to their bigger vision, clear away perfectionism, procrastination, and overwhelm, and create their own version of a beautiful and aligned business and life. Through her writing, books, online courses, workshops, meditations, private sessions, and social media presence, she shows them how to work with their feminine energies to tune into ease and flow, raise their confidence, self-worth, and their energy. If you want to meet Cassie and get ready to create more freedom and harmony in your life and business, go to CassieMendozaJones.com or just wait a minute or two to listen to this episode. Today we talk all about failure. We talk about how failure, you know, quote failure, is actually a pathway to more alignment, more integrity, discovering yourself. We talk about how to work in a job that you don't really love while you work towards owning and creating your own business and how to have an a positive outlook on that. We talk about the current edges going on in each other's lives and we talk about letting go of old beliefs and friendships. Today, the review of the week comes from KN Campbell 95. She says, "Highlight of my week with 5 stars. This podcast has been the highlight of my week for 4 months now and I'm so grateful for this little blessing. Maddie always brings inspirational, educational, and motivational content to empower yourself. I have noticed small changes in my mindfulness already. Thank you Maddie for the light you bring to this world. I hope I get the opportunity to meet you one day." I hope I get to meet you one day, KN Campbell 95. You are amazing. And this review just hit me in my heartstrings, and I'm so grateful for you and your lovely words. If you have not left a review for the show and you've been a fan for a while now, I would so appreciate that. It's a wonderful way to support the podcast for free and help other people discover the show who may need it and not already know about it. Last announcement, if you are interested in creating a business out of previous struggles you've had in your life so you've had body image struggles and you really want to help other women with body image struggles by maybe creating a business out of it or maybe you have a past with orthorexia or a past with self-sabotaging perfectionism addiction toxic relationships and you have a yearning to start speaking up about it and having an online presence presence and also making money off of it I highly encourage you to go back to an episode I did recently called Creating a Business with Integrity and Heart. Listen to that episode in full. It's going to teach you a ton. And if you really like what you hear, you can reach out to me afterwards. I will have the link to that in the show notes for this episode 175 so you can have easy access to go listen to it. Otherwise, if you're on the podcast app, just scroll down to some previous episodes and you'll see that right there. Thank you guys for listening to this introduction. I am so grateful every time you can get all the way through it. But alas, it's time for an epic interview. Let's go head on over to listen to what Cassie has to say about flow, feminine essence, and perfectionism. You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life-altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host, Maddie Moon. 
and welcome back to episode 175 of the Mind Body Musings podcast. And I am here with Miss Cassie Mendoza Jones, who is a author of two incredible books. And I'm so delighted to have her on the podcast today to talk about some topics that both me and her can totally geek out on, including the flow of life, feminine energy, uh, quote unquote failure. And looking at how all of these things can benefit you to live a life of less white knuckle grasping for control and a little bit more trust. So welcome to the podcast, Cassie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here and talk about all those things you just mentioned. The very first thing that we like to cover on here is the Mm -hmm. background and story of the guest. So if you don't mind, please share with us how you got to where you are today. Sure. So I left um, high school and I went straight into university and I was studying PR and communications because a few people had told me that they thought I would be good at that and I didn't know what I wanted to do so I just grabbed that and ran around with it. And I soon realized that was not for me. I hated university. I would drive there and if I couldn't find a parking, I would drive home. (laughs) And I moved into studying a makeup course, which I loved. I actually lived in Toronto for a year. So I did a year in Sydney, a year in Toronto. Oh, sorry, six months in Toronto. Came home and I started working in the hair and makeup industry. And I worked really hard. I got an agency who was managing all my bookings and everything. And I loved it's funny because what I loved about it in the beginning, so working on a different shoot every day, working with different people every day, never working in an office, and really just have, living that real freelance life was what I started to resent towards the end. Uh, and I also felt like there was something more for me to be doing. I loved working with the models that I was working with, but I felt like helping them or making them look beautiful on the outside wasn't all I could do. And I started to become really interested in herbal medicine and naturopathy and nutritional medicine and so I started studying that and I opened my business 2011 as a naturopath and nutritionist a few years later I I started studying kinesiology which I brought in uh, energy balancing which really helped me move my business from the very physical you know health focused work that I had been doing to a much more um I really think of it more as like a a holistic way of looking at everything that's going on. So looking at the emotions, looking at people's, what's going on in their life as well and not just in their health. Um, And that's also when I started to work with a lot more entrepreneurs and healers, coaches and creatives. And then again, my business had this shift where it was less um, health focused and then even less like personal development, well, more personal development, but then also bringing in this business alignment coaching. And so now it's this combination of personal development work and business alignment coaching and the writing I was doing through all of that. Uh, and so that's my first book came through 2015. I wrote that and then It's All Good is coming out next week. Beautiful. I love your story. And I feel like it's very similar. I think we both have very similar stories of going from mm. one passion to the other passion and kind of evolving our businesses in ways, yes. ways that reflect how we are evolving as human beings. And I think that's yeah. so important because when you're so caught up and I've got to always be known as this nutritionist, this holistic natural path, I have to be known as this, 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 and your natural inclinations like, but I want to evolve and I want to talk yeah. more about business or I want to talk more about relationships. But if you are holding on to the idea that you have to do one thing, there's yeah. going to be some stagnation happening. So totally. I, I want to back up a little bit to when you were doing makeup, mm-hmm. uh, my question for you first, my first question is, how quickly did you move from doing makeup to doing uh, everything else, the kinesiology and the natural path work? Yes. So I, so it's funny because when I was working as a naturopath, my absolute, like my huge, huge goal was to get an agency and to, to be part of an agency and get an agent. Cause then you just feel like you've made it. Like they manage your bookings, they manage your clients. It's just, it feels like everything is clicking into place. And people had said to me, it's going to take you four years of, of working as an assistant, probably not getting paid to to get to where you want to be. And I worked so hard and I was so diligent that I actually got an agent within 14 months. And so when I got this agent, I was like 22. And I was like, I've made it. To, like, this is this next step for me in my career. And it was within the same year of getting my agent that I was like, I this isn't what I want anymore. And so I think it probably was not that long of once I decided that there was something new for me, like probably only a few months 
of me looking up courses and kind of working out firstly as you just said like giving myself permission to change my mind and to decide that it was okay or allow myself to decide that it was okay to do something different because I I knew that if I stayed in makeup I would stagnate and I was already feeling a bit unhappy I loved doing the makeup I loved the people I was working with but there was something more for me to be doing so I left my agency it was like the September, October, I let them know that I was leaving. I was so nervous to tell them and they were so understanding and amazing. And then I enrolled in this course and I started it in February. So through those, over those months, over the summer, I was still doing makeup um, as I was like, I still had clients that I had been booked in for jobs. So I was, yeah, took a few months and then I was just straight into my, into my study really. Okay, so my question may or may not apply to you. I think it might in a way, but... I am very curious to know what, how do you think people can be in careers they don't love as they work towards a career they do want to have and have a positive outlook on it? Because I work with some clients who, I do a lot of business coaching myself, so I work with clients who want to create businesses and be coaches and to speak and teach and write and lead and do all these wonderful things, but they're working in technology in a nine-to-five job or they are nurses and they're always on their feet and they rarely have time to to write at all. And there is a very big disconnect and a lack of integrity with what they want to be doing and how they're living their life. So I get it. It's very hard to remain very open and positive and uplifted when you're doing something in the majority of your day that you might hate. So what are your thoughts on that? So it's actually, so for me, I I feel like I lived that first when I was at university and I was, so I know it's not the same as working, but I was still at uni three or four days a week. uh, And I, I started studying that makeup course at nights and weekends too. There was no purpose behind it yet in terms of my career. It was the beginning of that was me just doing something for my creative side and something that was just going to be fun that I loved to do. So if they, I guess if they're working in a role that is quite full on or quite full time, if there's even just a small period within the week where they can do something that is a, just for fun and just for the flow and enjoyment of it. And then B something that that will help them move towards their goals with their work. If there's anything that you can do to help you feel to help you feel more like there's more enjoyment in what you're doing I think that's really important so that for me was that that I guess what helped me get uh, get through that first year of uni was that I had makeup on the side and even though it did not relate at all it just made me feel happier in my life that I had this creative outlet Um, and then when I left my makeup career I actually still saw clients and I still did work because it was still my main source of income while I was studying. Uh, and it was still my main source, not my main source, but once I started my business, I still did some makeup jobs on the side. Um, and in fact, I still have a few clients that I see because I, again, it's just this fun thing that I do that brings more creativity into my life. And I've been doing it now for like 12 years. So it, it's quite effortless but if there's anything that they can do while they're in their business or in their job to help them move towards that business that they're working towards or to help them work you know work towards that dream it could be the smallest thing that they do within the week like maybe they know every Sunday afternoon they're going to do one hour of writing or whatever it is I think that anything you can do no matter how small that will help shift your energy and help you feel like your dreams are being drawn towards you versus you feeling like you're forcing and controlling and having to, you know, kind of map it out just yourself and not feel like you're being supported in working towards it. I think that can be really helpful. That's spot on. Right. I love that. And I think another thing is if you hate the job, the full-time job Mm. that you're doing, go find something that supports that new job that gives you that one step closer. Like if you want to be a holistic nutritionist you could work inside of a another nutritionist office trying to see how their systems go or if you want to do if you want like one of the um things that i i had a job working for an online nutrition school and i helped them put together audios and podcasts and videos this is five years ago and so i got so much training on how to do the things i do now in my business and i got paid for it so it's like yeah life hacking. It's amazing. Exactly. And I did that when I was studying nutrition and naturopathy, I worked at other clinics and it helped me. I was obviously working on where I, where I could, cause I was at school still a couple days a week then, well, several days. But again, as you said, I learned 
all these systems, I learned so many things that I didn't want to do in my own business, which was so important, so that when I opened my practice, I, I had this really strong sense of what was going to work, how I wanted to run it, where I wanted to order my herbal medicines from, like what software I wanted to use, what days of the week I wanted to work. All of that I already had an understanding of because I'd been working for other practitioners by that stage for over a year. And that's actually how I got my first job. I was looking at like in my first clinic, I was looking for admin work as I was graduating. And this clinic got back to me and they said, we don't need a receptionist, but we actually need a nutritionist. Would you come and work for us? And I was like, yes, P.S. I haven't graduated yet, but if you're happy to wait six weeks, I will be your nutritionist and naturopath. And it was that, I guess, that taking that action to try and get a job that would support me as soon as I graduated that actually helped me get that first spot in my first clinic as a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. And I mean, yeah. there's no point in being in a job that you absolutely hate and brings you down yeah. because let's say that you're doing a nine to five job that pays the bills, but you really, really hate it. Your energy is not going to do a flip flop the minute you get home. You're not going to be like, all right, I'm out. I'm totally inspired. I'm going to start working yeah. on my side business. Um, as much as I wish it could work like that, if yeah. you spend 40 hours, maybe 60 hours a week in something that you hate, you're not going to be able to automatically flip to a different high vibrating energy that's full of joy so that you create wonderful content and beautiful blog posts like your work for the side business is going to reflect how you're feeling so if you're feeling drained and you're feeling exhausted and you're upset that you're doing this job that you have that's going to show up in your writing it's not going to be as um vivacious as you are it's not going to be as colorful as you are as a person because of how you how you are living your life outside of that blog post does that make sense yeah totally and i also think um on that note I feel like a lot of my, I've spoken to a lot of people who feel really nervous about that, that switch from, you know, when they maybe are able to move from their, that, you know, nine to five job into their own business. There's this fear of replacing the income. And this is actually something that I read in, um, who was it? Oh, Elizabeth Gilbert's book in big magic, where she's like, don't put pressure on your craft Mm -hmm. at the beginning. So I speak to so many people and I say, why don't you with your job, even though you're, a, if you're hating it, try your best to get out. But maybe there's another job that you could take on that is two or three days a week that gives you more time and space to work within your business and still allows you to pay the bills without having to put the pressure on your business in its you know first few months or the first year. And there are sometimes there's, there can be the shame around it. Like, no, but if I'm leaping into my business, I have to do this full time with no other financial support. And I really don't believe that's true. And I know for me, when I started my business, as I said, I was still working as a makeup artist sometimes. So I probably only did a couple jobs a month, but sometimes I'd make enough money to pay my rent for the month in one job, which I know is really, um, it's very lucky in makeup. You can be paid quite a lot per hour and per day, but that was so supportive to me and just took the pressure off so that when I was working with clients and marketing myself, I wasn't feeling stressed and, and trying to work out how many clients I needed that week to cover the bills. And it actually allowed me to grow my business more easily, I think. I was talking about this yesterday. It's mm. I love that we're talking about this because I was having a coaching call. I mean, I've had a, f- a few coaching calls about this where people are like, well, when can I quit my full-time job? And yeah. their ideas are maybe I'll quit it soon and I'll give myself two months. Well, you know, it took me years <laughs> yeah. to get to a steady income place where I didn't have to yes. worry. And you're right. There is a lot of shame around that, around doing a side business and then, and then or having a full-time business and making your personal business, your side business or vice versa, working yeah. on your business full-time, but also having a side hustle, like working at a salon or working wherever you may be. And yeah. Elizabeth Gilbert, like you were saying, she said that it is not art's job to make you money. Yeah. And if you have, okay, I've got two months art becomes your job and then it's, it's not going to flow. It's not going to come out creatively. And I wish more people, I wish more entrepreneurs would talk about their side businesses or how they made money in the meantime, while they worked on their businesses, because I feel like there would be less shame. I, after I had that job, I went into another job. I did full time where I did social media for seven months. And then I, I left that job to do my thing full time, realized after a month that I needed more income than what I was receiving. And I needed to 
feel less pressured. And then I got a virtual job where I was doing work for my mentor making more videos. So still there's that pattern there of doing jobs that are teaching me how to do things in my own business and I'm still getting paid for it. And it takes the pressure off of needing clients. If you're going to be a coach, right? It's like, I need clients, I need clients. And then your clients will smell that from a mile away in the way that you write your emails or you communicate with them. It will feel very convincing. It will feel very needy. And then they will not, I mean, they won't want to work with you if they feel like you need them more than they need you. Yeah. And your clients can feel that in your, in the way you post and what you write and everything you say. Um, and there's also something to be said, you've mentioned it just now of the, the jobs that you have, if they, if they can all in some way align to that bigger vision and the goals that you're working towards, that's so amazing. And you might not even realize how they align. So my background in makeup, like you wouldn't actually really see how that would connect to naturopathy and business coaching and writing, but I a was always working freelance, so I had to manage my own time. Like I've never worked in an office, and I've never worked nine to five. I was always meeting new people, so I had to become really good at talking to new people and feeling confident in a crowd, and you know, working in a different place every day. So that's helpful when I'm talking at events or you know, running my own workshops and going on book tour around Australia next week. So everything actually has led in to the next. And even things with understanding, I used to work in a makeup and skincare store while I was studying makeup as well. And we had so much skincare training. And then the skincare training helped me when I had clients, when I used to see clients for more health-based work, if they had breakouts or their skin was not feeling great. I also had this makeup and skincare background where I could tell them what products to use and what makeup to use. And it just all aligns so beautifully and you wouldn't actually think it does. So if you're in a job now, look at, even if you can't see it as, you know, face value, look at what might be able to be supporting you in this next step in your career and business. Cause there'll be things there that will relate and will align to help you move, move forward. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you cannot stand your coworkers or maybe there's a lot of situations that are um, out of your control. And so that you're really learning in those instances how to let go of control, how to surrender, how to be true to yourself, even when everyone else is maybe not your biggest fan. Like even if it's self-care or emotional work that you're doing, even like say you want to be a coach and your job is being an attorney that sounds very different, but in both instances, you have to work with clients. In both instances, you have to work with paper and contracts. In both instances, you have to learn how to be true to yourself, but also learn how to serve the person that's coming to you. So there's a lot of overlap. I mean, I would say that with a lot of careers, there's overlaps, even if you want to be a candlestick maker or a (laughs) shoe shiner, like there are things there that are going to overlap. You just have to look at the situations and look at what's irritating you right now about this job that you're doing and Mm. how is it teaching you something? And yeah, exactly. you know, that, that kind of stuff. So I do want to look at failures. You talk a lot about failures and about how to reframe failures so that when you yeah. think about them, you're not constantly fearing them. You might even embrace them. And you're not thinking that a failure is necessarily an event. It's a process, right? It's something that's going to happen and appear in your life many times. So I'm asking you and you, in your own life, mm. what are some of the most eye-opening failures or maybe life-changing failures, quote failures, you have experienced as of mm-hmm. late? So, good question. The biggest thing that came, sorry, I'll start again. The My book actually came out of what I call a business failure and like also as I say in air quotes because it, what I have learned now is that the failures feel like a failure when we're in it. And then once we processed it and integrated all the lessons learned and recalibrated and risen up from that, what feels like everything's crumbling down around us, we can see that it, they weren't failures and they actually were helping us to expand into this next version of ourselves. So back in 2014, this idea dropped in for this program that I wanted to create and run. And I, it felt so expansive and so aligned to me and I felt so on track creating it and it kept expanding and expanding. So it became from one program to six programs to this like whole new, basically whole new brand and business that kind of fit under my main business. And I went to work on this. I spent about six 
I spent six months creating the first um, iteration of it and like this website with new blog posts and content and a free ebook while I was writing and promoting the courses that would come within the next six months. And I spent all up a year working on it. I ended up investing about $30,000 into this program and everyone in my audience was so excited for it. So I really felt like when I launched it, it would just kind of, it felt like oh, I would skyrocket into this next stage and Everything was going to go exactly as I'd planned it in my head. <laughs> but bow. I launched it, actually before I even launched it, eight days before the first launch, I got an email from someone letting me know that I was infringing on a registered trademark of theirs. And I, when I'd been creating the name of this program, I hadn't checked the trademark registry in Australia. I'd only checked like business names and business numbers and webs, like domains and everything. But I actually was infringing on this trademark of this like guy in this random tiny town up in Queensland, but he'd been working for 20 years and he basically, if I hadn't changed the name, he could sue me and recoup any of the money that I made under his trademark name. So I had to rebrand everything a week before the launch and push everything back. And then I could finally launch this course, six courses, a hundred thousand words. And I just didn't feel like I received back in the, that initial period what I had put in and people still signed up and when I look back now I can see that like I made back everything that I'd invested in the first year I made it back and I made back half of that in the first month of the launch but I had put myself under so much pressure I'd put the project under so much pressure I had such high expectations of the numbers I wanted to bring in and where I wanted it to take me and it was all this stuff that I'd constructed in my mind and I was so not living this message of trusting and letting go which is what I had to learn to process and clear this sense that I had failed or not done well and after that process of of that launch for many months I felt like I was stuck in this space of of lack, I was stuck in the space of not feeling like I had this momentum that I was so craving and so working towards. I was questioning everything. I almost a few times felt like maybe I should give up my business or work somewhere else for a little while and just kind of have a break. I was really on this entrepreneurial roller coaster to the point where I was completely exhausting and burning myself out. And my body was reacting to my inability to forgive myself for where I'd been and for what I was putting myself through by, by giving me chest infections. So I had two terrible chest infections within the space of a few months, which energetically, when we think of the, of the lungs, they relate to uh, the metal element in traditional Chinese medicine of being able to let go of what is like learning a lesson and taking the jewel and then actually letting go of what we no longer need anymore. And also heart chakra wise, our lungs are smack bang where our heart chakra is. So self-love, love for others, compassion, forgiveness, um, and this ability, again, with lungs, like breathing in and out and flowing with life and letting go of what you no longer need. And I was really stuck in that period for so long where I was berating myself and really feeling like I'd lost my path and this bigger vision. And it was during this process I call it the great surrender in the book, but towards the end of it, which you don't know is the end until you're, you feel like you're out of it. But I, this intuitive hit dropped in and, and it was like, you're going to write this, a book about this, the book that you wish that you could have read when you were going through this, you're going to write that book yourself. And that's how it's all good came through. And so that I think is my most, I, I'm going to say my most important failure and experience because it allowed me to, embody trust and surrender on a very different level to what I used to uh, and then to write the book and now teach others this work. Well, I've got to say that even the idea of that happening gives me heart palpitations. <laughs> I so feel you. I, I would have done the same thing, but I mean, I feel like I'm pretty, I've got a pretty good grasp on control and letting go. Even mm. so though, like I'm curious if that happened again, would you be different in your response? Would you? Such a good question because it actually came, elements of it came through in the few months before the launch of It's All Good. So I was listening, listening or reading something from Lee, uh, Lin, what's her name? Linda Stevenson. Um, and she wrote Your Big Beautiful Book Plan with Danielle Laporte, which actually helped me win my first book, like the, the deal that I won for my first book. And she said somewhere in there, 
when you write a nonfiction book, as you are about to release it, something will come up in your life for you to embody the message that you are teaching because you have to be completely aligned to your message for you to share that work with the world. And before You Are Enough came out, so You Are Enough is about uh, self-confidence and releasing comparison and really helping you step into your innate worth. Before that came out, my skin broke out, but like the worst adult acne. I used to get pimples when I was a teenager, but I never had skin like this. It was absolutely terrible. And I had to call on my own self-worth in a way that I hadn't had to before because I'd never had skin like that. And your face is obviously, it's your face to the world. And I, my, I was launching this book for the first time and my skin was terrible. And that was that calling of like, don't worry, if your skin is bad, you are still enough. And then when It's All Good was about to come out, I was like, I feel like I've been through all the stuff that I went through to write the book, so I don't really know what's going to come up. And then elements of it came up, so not as intensely and not for as long, but it was still this period where things felt really contracted and I felt really unsure of parts of my path forward and... I guess, yeah, the word really that comes up is this contraction before an expansion and this feeling like you are falling before the rise. And that, again, when I tuned into that energetically, I was, the message I got was, you're living this again to teach it. Like, yes, you've gone through it, but trusting and surrendering isn't something that you do once and then you wash your hands of it and you're like, sweet, I'm done for life. We're going to be constantly and consistently called to let go, to trust ourselves and our bigger you know, that, that bigger path and vision for our lives and to allow ourselves to surrender to where we are instead of forcing and rushing and pushing and controlling. And so it was this reminder of living my message and embodying it and trusting and surrendering is something that we embody. It's not something that we can do from that like masculine action, like I've ticked that off my list for today. It is very feminine. And sometimes I think people get confused with feminine and they potentially can think it's about not taking action or like very lax and lazy but feminine is fierce and and it's it's actually tuning into that so it's allowing yourself to still be moving with this flow of your life and understanding and seeing this bigger vision but not fighting and forcing and controlling it Mm, perfect right spot on I love this yeah and the reason why we consistently experience some of these same um, events, I would say, like some of these same things that come up where you expect something and it goes a different way. You'll probably never stop doing that. I mean, I know we all say like expectations don't have them, but it's impossible. We expect we're going to wake up tomorrow morning. We, we expect we're going to eat three times in the day. Like we have expectations. That's okay. The thing is how, how tight are you holding onto them and what happens whenever they go differently? Like I, I like to think of doors opening like we have these doors opening and then one day it's like okay this door really needs to shut but it only needs to shut because if it's open I'm gonna walk through it and if it's shut I can't walk through it and I'll actually be able to see the other door that opened that's much more beautiful that's bigger that I'm meant to walk through so I feel like the universe God is like hey what's up I'm gonna shut this door for you because you have no idea how to shut it on your own (laughs) and then you'll be forced to go on the other door where I want you to go and you don't know Mm. how to get there without me closing this door and this could be relationships this could be jobs this could be clients we thought we'd work with this could be a the title of a program, this could be whatever. And I think it, like you said, I love that you pointed it out, the feminine is not complacent, it's fierce. It is fierce, it's being able to have goals and to be ambitious and to be assertive, but in a soft, warming way where if something goes differently than what we planned, it's okay, we're still alive. It's not Mm. our identity. It doesn't say anything about us. It just says something about the path. And that the yeah. path is going to change. And yeah, yeah, I mean, we, even if we speak on these topics, it's not like we're not going to experience this time and time again. Totally. I think that that's something that I get a little bit frustrated with is people getting upset that speakers have their own issues or writers have their own issues or coaches do too. Like people, I know a lot of speakers on relationships, but yet they are not in one. It doesn't mean yeah. that they don't know what they're saying. No. It just means that they're still working on certain things or maybe they have they don't want to settle and they know what they want and that person hasn't entered their life. 
or someone might struggle with trust but they still speak on it that's actually that's typically why people speak on it is because they've struggled with it so intensely exactly and you teach a what you have learned and also what you want to deepen within yourself so and also as you said like coaches and writers and speakers are humans too and we're all going through the human experience and so if you weren't if you'd never felt or experienced what you're teaching how could you teach it like if I were to go teach I don't know engineering tomorrow I would be the worst teacher because I don't even know what I'd be talking about like you have to have experienced what you're teaching so often uh, to actually teach it well and to explain it well and I always say to my clients and I'll often write like if I'm experiencing experiencing something in my business and life if I write about it and, and then I post it I can't tell you how often I receive replies from people who are like I literally was going through that yesterday and you wrote that I feel like you wrote that for me at the perfect time and that's because if I'm feeling something and experiencing and going through it someone else is too somewhere so I totally agree with you uh we we all have to accept that we're all going through things at different times in different stages uh and yeah if you're if you're if you've been through something I feel like that gives you even more permission to share it because you've been through it Because you've lived in different places and you have had all these different experiences and you're often out there in the public's eye, what have you learned about yourself and some of the beliefs that you've had to let go of that maybe you had when you were young and Mm. you were raised in a a family and you had these beliefs? What are some of them that you've had to shed because they they don't ring true to you anymore? Or maybe something that, you know, is changing right now in this current moment? Good question. So, okay, well, in relation to businessy stuff, what I've learned, this really relates to my first book, You Are Enough, but it is that idea of I used to have this kind of negative or limiting belief that still pops up when I feel a little bit imbalanced or when I'm feeling tired or if I'm pushing myself. So now it's this really nice kind of um, call for me to step back. But this idea that either like it's easier for everyone else or that like I work so hard and and this was very much about you are enough about releasing comparison. Like I work so hard. Why am I not in equates there yet? And it's again, this idea of pushing and forcing and not trusting and allowing and not accepting where you are today. So that, that kind of old comparison, that's something that I, over the past, like the first few years of my business, I experienced it so intensely where I would find myself like stuck on people's websites and social media and so many of us understand this of just feeling like you are not enough or you are not doing enough or you're not doing the right thing or someone knows some like secret special source that you don't know or understand and so that was something that I really had to clear and then through the clearing of that that's how you are enough was written so that is something that I as I said like if I'm ever feeling a little bit imbalanced uh, my mind that like the ego part will jump to that and I'm like oh shush you are enough you're on the right track everything is as it should be so that's definitely something that I had to learn and especially when I am speaking or traveling for events and workshops now I feel so confident just being me and just speaking up and it's so funny because I'm planning for this workshop to next week right and I'm doing five workshops over five cities in about six days or seven days And I was practicing yesterday the workshop and I run myself through it as if I was sitting in front of a crowd. And sometimes if I momentarily am like, oh, I don't know, you know, should I jump from this section to this or should I just run with the flow with that? Again, this like inner critic pops up and says, "It, it better be perfect. Like you better do this perfectly. And then my deeper self and my higher self and my inner guide is like, it totally doesn't matter. And if you make a mistake, you'll laugh about it and your audience will laugh with you because you'll be doing it in a light and gentle way and taking the pressure off yourself. So those that's what I've learned, that when I'm imbalanced, my inner critic's voice is louder. And when I find this sense of alignment and balance, I can shush her or like witness what she's saying, but not actually take it on as a rule for me. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. What about transitioning over a little bit to relationships? What does that Mm. look like? What beliefs have you let go of when it comes to relationships over the course of the years? So 
Um, do you mean like romantic relationships or friends or both? I'm curious in romance. Okay. And I'm always <laughs> curious in people's romance lives. I'm very noisy. So my hubby and I, Nick, we've been married for five and a half years. We met, we've been together almost eight years. Um, and so, we, and we have a really wonderful relationship. Like I, yeah, there's not much there that is not to say like, obviously people, we have fights and like, it's not one of, you know it's also real but I think for me it's potentially more with friends what I've done over the last few years is really align myself to to people that this sounds so simple but people that I feel really comfortable with in their presence and I used to you know if you have like old friendships or people that you think you should be friends with or people that potentially you worked with and then you feel like you have to still see them if you leave that role or, you know, that job. I used to be more people-pleasing, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I used to be much more people-pleasing and, and and see friends or make plans with people that I didn't actually either feel good with when I was, like, having lunch with them or seeing them or it was fine when I saw them, but then I would leave and feel just not myself. Um, and so lately that's been a really important thing to me because I – have lots of friends kind of throughout different areas of my life. Like I've got old makeup friends and old school friends and then new friends and then business friends and friends, you know, through Nick and I's relationship. So I, it's important for me that when I'm spending time with people that it's actually people that I really love that help me feel, not even help me feel, that I feel really safe with. And so that's been really important to me in the last little while. You know, it does sound super simple, but – it, I really want people to think about it and apply it to their life. Cause this is one of those things where you're like, you know, you're worthy or love yourself. And it's like things you hear all the time, like surround yourself with people you love. But I can almost guarantee there's someone in your life you're holding on to simply because you feel like you should. Yeah. You know, most of us do that, but subconsciously we feel like we should. And, and, you know, to be honest, I've just said, you know, like three times I need to stop doing that. Oh, I didn't even notice. <laughs> I noticed that that's like one of the phrases that I, I will hear whenever I listen to podcasts <laughs> and I get so frustrated and I realize I just did it three times and I'm oh, calling, I'm saying it out loud. So I call myself on it and I'm going to talk slower <laughs> so I don't do that. But I have some friends here in Boulder who are very, well known in the community to be wonderful people and that oh. they are they are wonderful people are they wonderful relationships with me no they're right. not that doesn't mean that they're not wonderful people though and yeah. i found myself consistently saying yes to coffee dates or asking them out to hang out because they're well known awesome people but then when I slowed down and I really looked at it, I realized that when I'm with them, they make me feel less than. And I'm not yeah. saying they make me feel less than. I'm saying totally. they make me feel less than. Like it, it happens when I'm in their presence. Or yeah. I feel like when I'm with them, there's a lot of coachy vibes going on. And with yeah. friendships, I don't want it to be one big coach fest where I'm coaching no. them and they're coaching me. And it's like... No one Especially that's about, what you do for work. Like yeah. you don't you want your friendships to be friendships and not business friendships or not business yeah sessions. Exactly. Unless you unless it's like masterminding and that's the purpose of it. Exactly. I don't want to have to worry about having a Freudian slip come out and someone say <laughs> something to call me out on it. Or I don't yeah. want to worry about saying something like, "Oh, I don't know. I I don't feel very confident about doing xyz and them saying let's slow down and look at that why don't you feel confident is this a worthiness issue like i don't really <laughs> like that and i find that i'm with i'm i've been around people like that where i consistently said yeah let's hang out and i've had to realize wow i don't actually want to hang out with them and that's that's kind of new for me to realize that yeah. even even wonderful people out there i might not vibe with so for people listening to this episode that might not be the case the case could be, I, mean, I get a feeling that the case might be more like old friendships from the past. Maybe you have some friends that are really still on board with the diet camaraderie and you are recovering from disordered eating and being around them is very triggering. Or yeah. maybe they're very negative and you're trying to surround yourself with positivity. So look at those things and ask yourself if you're surrounding yourself with people who really lift up your energy 
Or are you with a collection of individuals who are wonderful people, but bring down your energy and you consistently say yes because you're people pleasing and you're worried about expiring that relationship? Yeah. And I also think that it can be, so it's so often what we are feeling and thinking is it's our perception, obviously. So and that can shift. So it might be that there's a period or like a season within your life where, where being around certain people feels less wonderful for you. But then that might shift and there might be a time where you really love being around them. So it's not to say it's forever and it's not to say that it's anything specific about that person. It's really also about how you're feeling and what you're going through. So, And I know it can feel hard to pull back from certain friendships and that really like I don't think there's any hard and fast rule on how to do that uh, because, you know, there's – there's funny memes and like blog posts about how to break up with a friend and, but it's, it's never fun to do, but there are just ways to just make it gentle where you're not actually saying let's not hang out. You're just pulling back in your own way. Uh, so I think it's definitely possible to do and you have to honor yourself and look after your own energy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we kind of think that we're the only one experiencing that, but it's sometimes both people. Yeah. And neither one really wants to say anything because you're both yeah. awesome people. And yeah. and sometimes it just takes a little bit, like you said, like a conversation that can be warming or no conversation at all. And just letting yeah. letting uh, God take care of it, letting the universe take care of the situation for you. Yeah. Sometimes that that's just a trust thing is saying like, hey, I'm putting attention to this relationship. It doesn't feel right. Can you do something about it? And then yeah. sitting back and relaxing and watching what happens. Because sometimes it's very surprising what can happen for us when we simply ask. Yeah, exactly. Wonderful. Well, I have a quick fire round for you. Mm-hmm. But before we go over there, will you let my audience know where they can connect with you online? Of course. So my website is CassieMendozaJones.com, all one long word. Same with Insta, Cassie Mendoza Jones. And I'm on Facebook and sometimes Twitter and Pinterest, but mostly Instagram. (laughs) Perfect. And I will have the links to your books on the show notes for this 175. And so for the quick fire round, it's just whatever pops in your head first. Sure. All right. Besides your books, what is one must-read book everyone must get? Oh, Die Empty by Todd Henry. Ooh, Die Empty? Yeah. So when I first heard the title, I was like, that sounds terrible. I don't want to die empty. Yeah. And then I read the book and I was like, oh, I want to die empty. Okay. So it's about emptying yourself of your best work every day so that you don't die with your best work inside <gasps> you. And it is like, it's just the best. It's amazing. And so I first bought it on my Kindle and then after it, five pages I was like why did I buy this on my Kindle so I bought the proper like hardcover version and it's just amazing okay that sounds awesome actually I'm gonna Mm. get the the link for that and put it on the show notes as well yeah okay what edge are you on in life what's changing in your life right now go oh such a good question and such good timing (sighs) there are things in my business that are changing that how do I word this? Sorry, I know this is quick fire, but this is a big thought. <laughs> um, that are shifting that have been like long awaited shifts with the direction that I'm heading in and also how I'm structuring my work. And it's it's as you said, it's like on that edge of it's I'm it's about to happen and it's not yet. And there is so much trust that I'm embodying that it will it, it's already happening. It's like this knowing that it's happening, but I can't see the end date of it, if that makes sense. Not even the end date. I can't see all the how of like how it clicks into place, but I know it is happening already. Okay, so pretty vague, yeah. but something's happening. We I just have to watch. Say- we have to watch out <laughs> yeah. and follow you. Is that what you're saying to find out what this pretty is? Pretty much. I can't say much more like specifics, but it is okay. this thing that is yeah. It, it's like yeah. It's just this change that's coming. That it, it, you know when you get an idea, like something drops in, and you know that the the change is coming, but you just don't know the date and you don't know the timing of it. But it just feels yeah. It's this. Yeah, so that's what is happening, and I just feel much closer to it now than I have for the last two years. Sweet. I'm excited. Okay, yeah. if you could live anywhere in the world besides where you currently live, where would that be? Oh, I'm going to say California and or New Zealand. What's your biggest quality turn on in a partner? <sighs> I'm just thinking of my hubby because he does so many things that I love. I would just have to say listening and being really kind and compassionate. 
Who are three people you would invite to the perfect dinner party? Uh, Danielle Laporte, Marie Folio, and Zoe Foster-Blake, who you might not know because she's Australian, but she's my favorite person in Australia. <laughs> what is your favorite meal right now? There's this really new um, poke, I don't even know if I say it properly, we call it pokey in Australia because we're Australian, but poke bowl plays that I'm obsessed with and they do this tuna bowl that is amazing. So I'll say that. Who would you cast to play the role of you in a movie about your life? Ooh. Um, People have told me I look like Anna Paquin, so maybe her. Fire, earth, water, and air, which one do you resonate with the most? Fire. Mm, if you had a ship, what would you name it? It's <laughs> a hard one. Um, I don't know, but I can tell you if I had a horse, because I used to horse ride, what I would name the horse. Okay, horse, same <laughs> thing. Horses have like, like regular like stable names, and then they have show names. And... There was this horse when I was younger, a friend owned, and her, the horse's show name was In Rhythm. And it always sounded amazing when your name, when her name was being called over the loudspeaker when she was show jumping because it was like so-and-so riding In Rhythm. And it just sounds like mm. you're riding In Rhythm, but that's your horse's name. Uh, so I would, I would steal that name. My last horse, um, his name was Johnny, and his show name was Johnny Walker. So that was also a great name. Cute. Yeah. Okay, last question. If you had a spirit animal... What do you think it would be? A horse, for sure. Sweet. Awesome. In rhythm. Beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I can't wait to get uh, everyone to listen to this and then also get your books and hear more about you and head on over to your Instagram. All of this was just so beautiful. Thank you for this insightful conversation on my podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely loved it. It was, yeah, I'm really honored to be on your podcast. Thank you. You are so welcome. Everyone, like I said, this is episode 175. So anything you heard here, you can get the links to on the show notes for this at maddiemoon.com, as well as your free gift for Pillars of Femininity for Perfectionists. So if you haven't yet got that, you can download that there for free. And if you'd like to share your thoughts on the episode with me, then you can leave those thoughts on the show notes for this or on iTunes if you want to go over to ratings and reviews and review the show. I would so appreciate that and maybe I will read out your review at the beginning of one of these future episodes. Thanks so much everyone for listening to the show and I will see you soon. 